Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please, come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Welcome to another edition of the Disney Brit Radio Show. Thank you once again for joining us. It is episode 154, I believe, and uh, we're in January. And Alan's here. Hello, Alan. You all right, Adam? I'm all right. How are you? I'm, I'm starting to think that the year's starting to fly by too quickly already. Yeah, it is starting to, isn't it? It's not going to be too far away, and it'll be February, and then February's a short month. That's true. And then March will be here, and... Yeah. I, I could do a full 10 or 11 month monologue on this I, yeah let's not <laughs> it, could, it could be a long time um, but uh, thank you for joining us anyway uh, we've got a load of great stuff again for you this week uh, just to uh, remind you and say thank you to our sponsors which is uh, Orlando Attraction Tickets and of course Scoot Orlando uh, they are sponsoring as always which is fabulous. So thank you very much to both of those. Uh, we've got some uh, uh, some interesting new things for you this week. Um, we, um, on the last episode, talked about the Disney, the Great Disney Brit Cook-Off, which we've had a go at, so that'll be coming a little bit later. But we're going to start off with the news and the closures and all those bits and pieces. Then we'll uh, talk about our experiences of the Great Disney Brit Cook-Off. That's going to take us into Tomorrow's Child. And uh, we've got an interview with Nick Ranieri. Now, Nick Ranieri, for those of you who don't know, uh, was a Disney animator worked on some absolute classic uh, Disney uh, movies, including things such as uh, Aladdin and Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. And he's come to talk to us about his experiences with Disney, working on all those sort of bits and pieces. And then we end the show with uh, Disney's Ultimate Attraction. So that's everything. I've not missed anything else, have I? No, that's it. So that's everything go. in the list. So as much as we say that that's everything, there's quite a lot there. So uh, that's the stuff that we're going to be looking at this week. So I suppose as we've got such a jam-packed show, without any further ado, it's time to start this week's Disney news and rumours. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Fire away. Okay, then Disney News and Rumours. It's our news headline, two by two today, which is Fireworks Fast Pass. And we're getting stars back in Hollywood Studios. Hooray, stars. There we go. So let me talk to you a little bit about what's going on with the Fast Pass stuff. Beginning, uh, well, today... A few days ago, the Magic Kingdom has now started Fast Pass Plus parade viewing locations for both daytime and nighttime, and they're moving them from the hub area to the town square by the flagpole. So, back from February uh, 20, well, from February 27th, 2015, the Fireworks Fast Pass Plus viewing area will move from the Rose Garden to the new Main Street Plaza Garden as current construction is due to end. 
One is located in front of Casey's Corner and the other is going to be in front of the Plaza Restaurant. Fast Plus Pass Plus reservations for this area will give guests a choice of which side to view from based on the availability on arrival. So we've got some new Fast Pass stuff coming. The thing is, one of the things I found out with regards to this Fast Pass is that if you use a Fast Pass or reserve a Fast Pass for a parade, evening parade, afternoon parade or nighttime show, then you're scuppered for using any other fast passes during the day because you can't use, you can't get another fast pass until you've used your three original. Um, mm -hmm. And it means that there are some people who are going to the parks and only using three fast passes in a day because they, but, they're reserving these. You, you could use it another way though. For example, if you're going to go just to Magic Kingdom to see the fireworks, you've, you've done Blizzard Beach that, in the daytime. That would work, yeah. That does make you know, you, you, you've reserved yourself the prime spot. Yes, that is true. So you have kind of. If you're just going to go in for the fireworks, it would work perfectly that way, and you wouldn't have to queue for hours in order to do it. Yep. But for most people, if they're they're going in for a whole day and they're using their fast passes, then um, it doesn't make it uh, doesn't work for them, uh, particularly if you kind of wanting to be there all day. And I find or found that by using all my three fast passes, if you wanted to try and reserve something for a parade or, or nighttime show, they were gone by the time you were kind of updating them on the day. So. Mm. So it does look like, though, they are going to be increasing capacity, particularly for the uh, fireworks in the evening, because there's going to be two separate locations in which you can go and stand and watch the parade. So The thing which Chris used to sort of gripe about with this yeah. was that the Fast Pass Plus was great if you were stopping on Disney property. Yes. Because obviously it gives you the extra 30 days of selection time. Mm -hmm. So obviously there'll be a preferential treatment for people who are stopping at Disney property. Yeah. To get prime viewing spots. Yes, indeed. Uh, which we kind of said we knew it was going to be going that way eventually, didn't we? So we shouldn't be surprised that this has happened. Oh. But there you go. If you are going out to Disney World and you do get to use any of these locations, uh, the new locations, do let us know your your opinion on what they're like, particularly whether in the evening either um, Casey's Corner or the Plaza Restaurant are better locations for the fireworks. Uh, you can email us radio at disneybrit.com and let us know. Right, Alan, what's going on with these stars? Right, okay, we're getting stars back at Hollywood. Oh, hang on, sorry. We are gaining a Starbucks at Hollywood Studios. Oh, I see what you've done there. You see what I've done there? Yeah. I read your typo. Is that what, that what it is? Yeah. Um, construction walls have come down around the nearly completed coffee stop. The uh, yep. new location is to be called the Trolley Car Cafe, a homage to the classic trolley cars of Los Angeles. The new Starbucks is set to open in February. It is a prime location on the corner of Hollywood and Sunset Boulevard. That's quite a good location, actually. Mm. It's. Um, I always find that you'd, you'd head into straight up, I'm going to say Hollywood Boulevard. It, no, Hollywood. What is it? Is it Hollywood Boulevard? Yeah, Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. And, well, when I used to go, go straight for the uh, High School Musical show. <laughs> that but because you, you're heading straight there, it was sort of like, right, okay, well, I'm, I'm standing around doing nothing. Yeah. My kids are loving this. So it's you're not too far away from some decent coffee for a change. No, it's it's uh, good to have a you know as much as people complain that Starbucks is coming into uh, into the parks. At the end of the day, people like Starbucks and people drink Starbucks, and you know yeah. you know people are going to go. Starring roles is, is still going to be there. You're pleased to know for your muffins and your cupcakes and that sort of stuff. It's not replacing anything like that, but, but yeah, new Starbucks coming to the parks. And did I also read somewhere that um, Starbucks is going to start selling wine? Really. Yeah. No, I haven't but, read that one. As I got into bed last night, Catherine said, you're seeing this? I went, what? She goes, wine. 
<laughs> just your wife to pick up on the wine-related news. Yeah, I shouldn't be surprised in the slightest, should I? She was. Um, she was. She said, "Oh, you've got to see this. It's on. Um, it's on Inside the Magic's feed." So she was like going through all the things. I said, "Is it this? Is it these some some toys? Is it no? no it's not them. No. Is it uh, the hat? There's a new panel cut off the hat. No, it's not that." And basically, we got to it, and it was wine. Oh, there you go. So there's wine coming to Starbucks as well, apparently. Yeah. In the Magic Kingdom. Um, I doubt it. Is that in the Main Street Bakery? It was a strange place to get wine plus. That's, Wine and cinnamon that's, rolls. It's also making alcohol freely available in a lo- in a location you can come out of. I know it's currently in being our guest, but yeah, hmm, interesting, mm, controversial. There but I think it's mainly going to be in downtown Disney. Right. Okay. So it could be coming to downtown Disney. So there yeah, we go. It's spilling out into the car. Starbucks park. is on its way. Oh, can I add a bit of news as well? Uh, on, just something that um, I wanted to clear up with people who are listening who haven't maybe necessarily been able to check the website. We were talking about, um, at the end of the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend, whether or not Disneyland Paris is indeed going to get its uh, marathon or half marathon this year. There was uh, badges given out to cast members during their fun run in 2013, saying September 2015 will be the start of... um, the half marathon at Disneyland Paris, another sort of Disney run event. And there'd been some bits and pieces uh, come about. They were doing some uh, photography and things in the parks back in October. Everyone's getting very excited to say, it must be coming, it must be coming, it must be coming. We have official confirmation from Disney, from Disneyland Paris, that it will not be happening September 2015. That is definitely not going to be the case. So if you are thinking about coming to do a half marathon at Disneyland Paris in 2015, it's not happening. But reading between the lines and, and having sort of communication since that information was given to us there is something in the works they just can't tell us what it is yet but there's definitely something coming but when that Mm. is and what exactly that is going to be is being kept under wraps at present but do expect there to be some sort of Disney running event coming up at Disneyland Paris maybe next year but certainly at some point I think we were talking about it as a concept and I think if they announced a run event yeah me, me and Adam being fresh athletes that we are. Of course. Um, we actually started saying, should we go over there and see if we can do something? We were talking about this, weren't we, and saying that we, we could do, we'd, we'd do it. It'd be something for us to aim for because we've obviously started doing running. And that maybe we could uh, do it with um, with a group of people who listen to the show and maybe somehow between us we could do um, maybe some sort of run for charity and, and create a Disney bit running team. So if it does... Yep. There'll be a Disney Rip running team, and we're going to attempt somehow to run 13 miles around Disneyland. Oh, 13 Paris, right? miles? 13 miles, half a marathon, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was um, a lot less. No. I'm, I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Alan's going to be stood at, at the end, uh, being nice to everybody. And, it's, and it's, as long as I complete it, actually, to be fair, if, if you're running as a team, because yeah. I'm, I'm training with um, three of the lads, right. and we're all various different fitnesses, but... As, as you're running together as a team, you do seem to get Makes pulled along easier. a lot more. Yeah, I can imagine you probably do. Um, and there's a bit more motivation, and, and also you you don't want to be the one that stops running. No. So uh, we'll, we'll let you know if there's any more information about that. Right, closures then. What's going on with regards to closures? We've got, in the Magic Kingdom, Cinderella's Royal Table closed January 5th to March 6th. Splash Mountain is closed from the 4th to the 30th of January. And, of course, Maelstrom is now closed until 2016 when it reopens. In the Animal Kingdom, Carly River Rapids is closed now until the 4th of February. And Flame Tree Barbecue closed uh, until March 31st. Creature Comforts is closed until June 14th. 
I what I'm going to put in there. there. Uh, well, again, rumours of a Starbucks, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, in Hollywood Studios, you've got Sorcerer's Hat now gone or going. The construction's taking a long time to go, but people <laughs> are updating us via Facebook feeds nearly every hour as to the fact that something else has disappeared or moved or changed. Blizzard yeah. Beach is closed now until March 14th, and in downtown Disney, the roadworks on Buena Vista Drive will continue into spring 2016 to widen the road to 10 lanes, which will include a dedicated bus lane and pedestrian bridges. Right, what's happening in Disneyland Paris, Alan? Um... It's pretty much the same as what it was last time. So, Space Mountain Mission Two closed. Yeah. Um, Janvier, uh, douze. Is that, your att- is that you attempting to do French again? <laughs> well, you, you told us off last time. I did. That's true. Um, I don't know what thirty first is. Trente Aeon. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Utopia is closed January the fifth to thirty first of January. Yeah. Um, Caps Neo is closed on various random dates, such as the 19th and the 21st of, or 19th to the 21st of January, and the 26th to the 28th of January. Okay. Casey Junior Le Petit Cirque du Rhin is uh, closed January 5th to the 31st of January. Yeah. I don't think I need to say January twice, do I? No. Um, Storybook, Storybook Circus Canal Boat thing is going to be closed until the 31st of January. Yeah. Um, Armageddon closed on random days such as the 21st to the 23rd and the 28th to the 30th of January and this tram ride is closed until the 31st everything's closed so basically just don't go to the studios <laughs> there's nothing open at least um, Crush's Coast is open Crush's Coast is open there you go so with Crush's intermittent Coast. faults with intermittent faults uh, that's, uh, that's been the same with Ratatouille recently as well. So, uh, is it? Yeah. There was All the good stuff. You know, you push the technology, it's going to break. Yeah, well, of course it is. But there we go. So that's that's fine. Uh, so there's all your parks, uh, closures, and refurbs that are going on at the moment. That is all of our news. We are going to move on. Gary, how you doing, man? Oh, good, man, good. Last night was awesome, wasn't it? All right, I'd use the term wild. It's just a shame we have to start this new job today. A shame? Surely you mean you're amped about working for the Walt Disney Company? No, what I mean is I just prefer to be in Taco Bell and she can fiery Dorito tacos. True, true. How many did you end up eating? Well, I got a pain on the 11th one, but it was the pintos and cheese that finished me off. Oh, dear. You're, you're right. Yeah, I'll be fine. It's, it's just my guts are bubbling. Come on, then. The sooner we get the work out of the way and we're blending with the crew around here, the better. Um, excuse me. Do you know where we can pick up our job sheets? You're new here, aren't you? Ha, yeah. We're the new crew. Right. You guys have got a lot of learn. You'll need to go down to assignment and shout out toodles. She'll sort you out. Cheers, thanks. Shout toodles. I've worked on plenty of sites in England. I can see a wind up a mile off. Right, let's find the assignment. Gary, keep it in, will you? There's other people around here. You'll make us a laughing stock if you drop one. Try, really, I am. The sooner we get outside, the better. I feel like I'm fully inflated. Okay, uh, assignments. Here we are. Here we are. We're sorted. Oh, toodles! 
Morning, boys. How are you this magical day? Fine, I guess. Well, I'm fine, but he's uh... also doing fine. Can we hurry up and get some work done? We're after our job sheets. Your mouse could job sheets? Your what? Mouse could job sheets. Every aspect of our work is magical and phantasmic. We also proceed most things with Mouska. Okay, we'll get used to it, I suppose. Uh, can we have our Mouska job sheets, please? Sure thing. Okay, your Mouska job for today is taking down Mickey's sorcerer hat in Disney's Hollywood Studios. According to this, you'll need some Mouska tools. Here's the Mouska tool bag. You'll need a Mouska hammer, Mouska spanner, a Mouska screwdriver, Mouska angle grinder, Mouska blowtorch, Mouska harness, I thought we were never going to get out of there. When she started reading that Mouska list out... I know, I was on the edge of a Mouska duck call. It's fine now we're outside. She said, just walk up to the hat. Well, we're nearly there. Now what? Uh, pass me that, um, uh, squeaky speaky. <coughs> uh, Mouska boss, this is Gary and Barry over. We're outside the, uh, Mouska hat site over, um... We're awaiting further Mouska instructions, over. Mouska Gary, Mouska Barry, this is Mouska Harry speaking. I'm over by the Indie Stone Show. I'll be over in about 10 minutes. If you go through the Mouska hoarding, climb the Mouska scaffold, I'll be over and explain your Mouska work. Nope, Mouska problem. Go on then, Barry, I'll follow you up. Cheers, mate. Don't you even think about it. I'm in the line of fire here, and there's a lack of draft through. At least try and wait until we get to the top. Look, I'm sorry, mate. I know we're stuck on a platform and there's nowhere to go, but I need to cut one. I'm starting to look like Baymax with the amount of gas building up in here. Right, okay. But try and keep it down and short. Fine. This is Master Harry here. What are you two Master guys doing? We can hear you all the way over at Echo Lake. Boy, is it echoing. Um, nothing. Why? You do realise that you're basically standing in the mouthpiece of a huge megaphone? I'm on my way over now. Thanks, Barry. We're here to blend in and not draw attention to ourselves, and you lay one out like a bugle on a music arena. Trouble is... There's more. Oh, nip it in! Nip it in! Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Hey, I have the best kept Disney World and Universal Studios vacation secret. Did you know that anyone can rent a sweet ride and truly get around fast with your pass inside the theme parks? Mom, tell them. Well, Scooter Vacations makes it fun all day long. You or someone you love deserves the best way to see everything. So why not relax and enjoy a true express ride with your pass? Scooter Vacations can arrange it and even deliver it to you. Get around the fun way, have as much fun getting from ride to ride as being on the ride. They fit on buses, boats, and monorails, and some can fit in a car trunk. Upgrade your experience and scoot everywhere. Contact Scooter Vacations at 1-855-WDW-SCOOT 
That's 1-855-WDW-SCOOT or on the web at scootorlando.com. That's S-C-O-O-T orlando.com. S-C-O-O-T orlando.com. Oh, we haven't heard that for a while, have we? Any excuse. Any excuse to play Veggie Fruit Fruit. It is the Disney Brit. The great Disney... The Disney Brit yeah, you've got to stick Disney great in front of it. The great Disney Brit cook-off. There we go. So we did this uh, last year, and we had a go at uh, making some bits and pieces, and people really wanted us to bring it back. So we decided, you know what, let's do it. We're going to bring it back, and uh, we decided we'd start off with some desserts, and we challenged you all to have a go at making a key lime pie. So uh, there was quite a lot of activity going on on Facebook with people saying, oh, we should give this a go, we should try this, this would be great, let's give this a go. And a few people did indeed do that, and we thought we'd talk about our little sort of experiences with how we made it. And, um, of course, as always, we've got the kids involved, and uh, we've asked them to taste it to see what they think of it. So, um, right, Alan, key yes. lime pie then. Yeah, key lime pie. Now, there are a few different recipes you can do of key lime pie. Yeah. At, from Walt Disney World, one of them that contains vanilla, yes. one of them that contains less eggs, and the one that we went for was one that's in a, it's a Disney book. It's called Cooking with Mickey, yeah. and it's from Olivia's. It's I'm going to say Old Key West. It is Old Key West, yeah. What a good guess. Um, and this recipe was to build make one nine-inch pie, which is one of the simplest recipes I have seen from Disney. It genuinely was really easy. I was amazed at how easy it was. And to be fair, what they say in their recipe book is actually to buy a cheesecake base. Yeah. Right? Is, so we, I sort of expanded that a little bit. So I made this little recipe for yeah. the graham cracker crust, yeah. which is what they use, um, which the ingredients for that is six tablespoons of melted butter, um, three tablespoons of sugar, yeah. and one... One, one and a third one, cups. That's I can't even say it. 275 grams of um, biscuits. <laughs> now, what did you use for your base? Right, okay. Well, I, I went to and chose Asda's own, I think they're called Oaty Crumblies. Okay. It's interesting. Claire who, Tomlinson, who made hers as well, she used hobnobs. I went for the good old digestive. Right. Which worked pretty well, I must admit. It held together. Excellent. Did, um, as, as part of the rest. The, yeah. Well, the method for that is you bash up your biscuits, add yeah. the butter and the sugar. Yeah. But then it adds that you've got to bake it for eight minutes. That's right. Now, normally when I've done a, a cheesecake, I don't bake it. No, but it, it did firm it up. It firmed it up. It turned it back into basically biscuit, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. But it worked. Yeah. It worked well. And I was using... Uh, I, I tried because I did it. I went cheesecake rather than pie. So I right. went cheesecake format. So I used quite a deep dish, uh, like a deep... Um, cake tin and okay. it meant that um, it solidified the base so that none of the uh, actual key lime ness the top yeah. bit whatever you want to call it uh, seeped through so it did work excellent it's um, I'm, I've got to say I, I loved it um, I really enjoyed the, it the um, I, I made well the, my wife's on a diet at the moment unfortunately and making a, a big key lime pie was a bit of a temptation but she did hold back 
That's pretty but that did mean that I had to eat a lot of pie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sad, really, they have to do that. Yeah, someone has to. Um, the kids the team, yeah? couldn't reach the top shelf of the fridge. <laughs> um, really the fill-in? Fill yeah. Very, very simple fill-in. But this was the hardest bit. Getting two, two-thirds of a cup of key lime juice. Just getting yeah. lime juice out of limes. Oh, man. I mean, first of all, this, this is my little gripe about the... the the measuring system that yeah. the American recipes use, yeah. they use cups. Yeah. Now, obviously, we use grams and milliliters yes. and stuff like that. And two-thirds of a cup of key lime juice, you, that means you've got to buy enough limes if you're squeezing them by hand yeah. to, to fill up the cup. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do you, how do you gauge it? So I've, I've done this recipe before, and I worked out that it was about five or six limes. Well, we've got cups, actual cup measurement things, so we can measure the cups. Yeah, but my point is that you can't take your cup into Asda and then put how many no, limes in there. No, you can't do that. But yeah, you don't I, know how many juice, how much juices in them limes. Five limes in the end. Um, the other thing was one can of sweetened condensed milk. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming that our can size is the same size as their cans. I assume they're exactly the same. We just went for what was the largest can of condensed milk. Yeah. Um, which is a very very sticky, sickly sweet um, product. Yes. Um. Also, five large egg yolks. Yeah. Now, how did you separate your eggs, your egg yolks? I've got a genius idea. Right, okay. Right. Coke bottle, like yep. uh, just a standard size single person Coke bottle. Yeah. Clean it out, and then what you do is you crack your egg into your bowl, you squeeze your Coke bottle, and then what you do is you um, you let go of it, and the suction sucks up the egg yolk into the bottle. Separate it, and then you just drop it into your mixture. There you go. Excellent. I'm here all week. I, I I went for the uh, the method of I, I've cracked all my eggs into a bowl yeah. and then I used an eggshell to scoop out the yolk. Okay, that's another so way. Apparently, that's a, a good way of doing it. Yeah, so there you go. So um, um, the question is, really, how did it taste? Yes, how did it taste? Well, I quite enjoyed mine. Um, you quite enjoyed yours as well, didn't you? Yeah, I, I loved it. Well, I had to eat a full one, so yeah. So, uh, but it has days. got quite a, a quite a, a strong taste to it. The lime in there, there was a lot of lime in there. If anything, yeah. I could probably have done with a little bit less lime. But uh, what we did is we thought we'd get our honest um, taste testers to tell us what we thought of it. So uh, Alan got his kids, and I got Harry to um, to taste it to see what we thought of it. So. Let's have a listen to their opinion of what they thought. So here is what Abigail thought of it. What? Oh, I like the taste. Have a, have a nibble of that. Come on, open up, open up and bite. I don't want it. Come on, go on. I had to in my I don't like it. You sure? Why don't you like it? Because... Do I have the toilet too? No, you don't have to eat the apple. <laughs> Why don't you like it? Because it's... What is that flavour? Lime? Because I don't like the wine bit. The lime bit? The wine bit. The wine bit? What is that called? <laughs> key lime pie. I don't like the keen wine pie. Did she say she doesn't like the wine bit? Yeah, she doesn't like keen wine pie. She didn't take after your your wife, does she? <laughs> no. Right, so uh, so that was Abigail. Imogen thought this. I'll cut it a little bit off for you there. Okay. What what do you think of it? Does it look nice? No. Okay. <laughs> right, take a mouthful and then tell me what you think it tastes like. 
And it goes quick. Yeah, I don't like it. You don't like it? Yeah. Not a fan of that, then. It's going well, isn't it? It's going well. So, of course, we tried Harry, and this is Harry's response. All right, Harry. Daddy's made key lime pie. You're going to taste it, and we just tell me what it's like. I'll give you a little bit. Ready? Yeah. Go. Taste that rum poo. Like what? Rum poo. Rum poo. Rotten poo. Rotten poo. It's disgusting. Oh. Thanks. Are you going to eat it? Actually eat it? No! Why not? It's disgusting! <laughs> so at that point, he ran off in disgust and spat it into the bin. So, uh... So it's safe to say that kids are not fans of key lime pie. Yeah, kids love it. Yes. I always say that it does really well at a kid's party. <laughs> so key lime pie was not a favourite. Um, okay, so that was our key lime pie. If you go over to DisneyBrit.com, you will be able to find um, an article on there that has got our three, myself, Alan, and Claire Tomlinson, who's sending photos of hers as well. You can see our three key lime pies. Did, did Claire like hers, by the way? Uh, she didn't say, actually. I think she did. But she didn't actually say whether she did or not. So, okay, that was key lime pie. So we thought we'd go for something a little bit different. Oh, I'm going to add another bit in there. Go on. It, the ingredients only cost me about £3.50. Yeah, it wasn't expensive in the slightest. Most of the ingredients you had were stuff you already had at home. And yep. if you didn't, uh, it was um, it was like very, very cheap. I think a lime cost 30p each or something like that. Yeah. So it wasn't particularly expensive. Arguably, uh, that was the most expensive bit, the lines. Yeah, I think it probably was, and that wasn't expensive at all, was it? So that was pretty no. good going. Okay, so we, we just, we've we done that one. Let's uh, give you another challenge. Uh, this time, you've got two weeks to make... This is my choice. You can probably tell that I went for something that we're probably going to like. Uh, the banana bread pudding from Boma at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Okay. Nice. So this is the next challenge. So uh, this one's quite a big one. It apparently serves 12 people, so there's plenty to keep you going. Uh, it's got two cups of milk, two cups of heavy cream, one cup of uh, one cup and three teaspoons, is that, of sugar, seven uh, whole eggs that are beaten, one teaspoon of cinnamon, four tablespoons of butter, three bananas sliced, and then five cups of either croissants, brioche, or chalet bread cubed, and one or one whole loaf of Texas toast. Cubed. What's Texas toast and what's no that idea. chalet bread? Chalet bread I've heard of, but what exactly it is I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, I'm, I'm going, it, surely it's either croissants or brioche here. Well, I think when I did it, I did a mixture. And what it does I, say, I, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I've done it before and I'm not going to say too much, but I do know that as to do a brioche loaf as well now. Ah, so that might work. Chalet bread is uh, apparently a Jewish tradition. So it's a tradition, it's not a loaf. So it's not any bread, Sabbath, it's just a tradition. Uh, what it does say as well, though, is to uh, use day-old croissants or brioche. So head yourself down to the supermarket. If they've got any that are going to go off the next day, grab them cheap. You can use those as part of it as well. All good thinking. Oh, yeah, you see. Save yourself a bit of money. So, again, go over to DisneyBread.com. You will find the recipe for banana bread pudding. Get that done. Enjoy it. See what you think. Take a photo. Send it in to us. And um, we'll put that up on the website when we talk about and we'll talk about our banana bread pudding next week, and we'll get a couple of weeks time, and we'll get the kids to try that as well. Uh, talking about getting kids to try things and, uh, and talking about children, I suppose we should really uh, have a go at tomorrow's child, should we not? Oh, definitely. It's almost like almost like a seamless link. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> it's almost like completely seamless from one thing to another. So 
Here we go. So tomorrow's charge, for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, is where we ask you to send in uh, some audio of your kids asking a question or, you know, uh, answering a question or anything like that. So, Alan, you had a brainwave, didn't you, on the last episode? Yeah, well, you you could say it was a brainwave or a brain collapse. Okay. I I didn't really... I I was trying to think, right, Okay, let's try and come up with a different sort of question. Yeah. What could a difference... get, Get the kids to think of something a little bit different than... What's your favourite colour? What's your favourite meal? All that sort of stuff. So I thought yeah. I'll come up with something a bit different. And I didn't realise how hard it was going to be. <laughs> so so the question I came up with was, ask Adam a question. Yeah. Basically, any question at all, ask Adam. Because you'll know it because he's the, he's the Disney guru of everything. Apparently. It's not, not strictly true. Okay. <laughs> of, course, of course you are, Adam. You've got a book out. That is true. I have got a book out. Which you don't like to talk about. No, it's fine. There's lots of books out. Check them out. It's fine. Melancholy um, anecdotes. Something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is that one. I know what you're on about now and then. Yes, the, whoever that is, that's not me. So we've got uh, four questions, uh, which um, I'm going to attempt to answer. So Tom Colson, he sent in the following question. What were the first Disney rides in when the first Disneyland opened? Thank you. So what were the first Disney rides when Disney first opened? Okay, so Disneyland first opened. Okay, so in answer to your question, Thomas, nice and easy. The following were opening day attractions, so July 17th, 1955. These were the rides you could go on in Disneyland. So you got Autopia, the car rides. They classed Disneyland Band as an opening day attraction. You then had the Disneyland Railroad, which stopped at Main Street Station, Mickey's Toontown, New Orleans Square, and to- uh, Tomorrowland. You had Jungle Cruise, King Arthur's Carousel, Mad Tea Party, the Main Street Cinema, Mark Twain Riverboat, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Peter Pan's Flight, Snow White's Scary Adventure, and the Storybook Land Canal Boats. So they were the ones that opened on on actual opening day, July 17th, 1955. Um, a couple of weeks later, Casey Jr.'s circus train joined in. That was on the 31st of July. And then the only other attraction to ride that opening uh, open that opening year was August 16th, 1955, was the opening of Dumbo the Flying Elephant. So there you go. So they're your opening day attractions. I'd have thought Dumbo would have been there from the beginning. Yeah, no, it wasn't open until August 16th. So it was a slightly mm. delayed... So there we go. There are your opening day attractions for uh, for Disneyland. Okay, what we got next? It was William who asked the following. What is the fastest ride in Disney? What is Thank the you. fastest ride in Disney? Okay. So if you were to guess, Alan, what's the fastest ride in Disney? The fastest ride in Disney is clearly... My father-in-law getting out of the car park. <laughs> Possibly. No, it's not. Now, if we were go to go the fastest ride in Disney, <clears throat> in Disney in general, then that brings different things into play. But it doesn't mean that anything beats the fastest ride, the fastest attraction in Disney World. The actual fastest attraction in the whole of Walt Disney World is... I'm, I've, I've got a different one to what you're going to say, I hope. Go on, what are you going to say? The um, Tom Petty experience. Tom Petty experience. Well... I don't know whether you can class that as a ride as such. So I kind of discounted Tom Petty and the Indy uh, Speedway experience. So I went for fastest ride as in attraction. 
So fast attraction in Disney World is actually test track. Goes at 65 miles an hour during the outside loop. Second mm. up after that is Rock and Roller Coaster at 60 miles an hour. And then that's followed up with Summit Plummet, which is also at 60 miles an hour. Now, that's that's a water ride. It is, but it's still a ride. So how many miles per hour on your butt? 60 miles an hour. No wonder you rip through shorts. You reach, yeah, you can reach 60 miles an hour doing that. Now, taking this idea of what is the fastest attractions in Walt Disney World, the next up, which would be Expedition Everest at 50 miles an hour. But if we were to extend it to Disney Parks, then actually the next fastest attraction would be California Screaming in California Adventure. Mm. So that would be the next one. The next Expedition Everest. Uh, after Expedition Everest, it's Splash Mountain at about 40 miles an hour. Uh, mono- the monorail actually comes in at about 40 miles an hour. Uh, and one mile an hour less, Humunga Carabunga at 39 miles per hour. Uh, and then you've got, you drop down to things like Big Thunder Mountain at 35 miles an hour. Tower of Terror uh, at 30 miles an hour. Apparently, you drop down. Primeval Worlds around 29 miles an hour. And then you get close to your kind of, you've got your Space Mountains. But if we were to go like just Disney parks in general, you then have to include things like Space Mountain at Disneyland Paris, uh, Crush's Coaster, uh, those sort of things as well you would bring into play. So if we're just sticking to, to Walt Disney World, the fastest attraction is Test Track. How fast is um, ta- test, oh, test Track? No. Tower of Terror come down. Tower of Terror is about 30 miles an hour. When it, when it drops. It's about 30 miles an hour. Oh, I've just, I've just started Abigail playing. There we go. So there's there's your... Uh, force-feeding the key lane pack. Yeah, again. Right, Imogen asked the following. When was Cinderella invented? So when was Cinderella invented? Okay, so I'm guessing she's asking when did Cinderella come out in, in cinemas? Uh, well, Cinderella was released in, uh, in cinemas in 1950. Okay. So that's what... 65 years 65 ago. 65 years ago, yeah. So is it 65th anniversary and uh, they're releasing a new film? We, well, it was the 4th of March, so... Uh, good question. 4th of March 1950 was the US release of uh, of Cinderella. So I would guess it's going to be close to the release. And it wasn't until July it was released in the UK. So uh, Right. So there we go. Mm. That's 1950. Finally, Abigail's question was this. Do I have to act like a person because they like the cake? Okay. The answer to that question is clearly no. You don't have to. (laughs) So do I have to ask the question because I didn't like the cake? No, you didn't. Fair enough. There we go. It's a question. (laughs) It, it, It is indeed a question. Right, so there's tomorrow's child. Um, and um, we're going to take a quick break. We shall return in a second. And when we return, we're going to be talking to Nick Ranieri, Disney animator, about his work with the Disney company. We shall be back in a second. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. For the past 10 years, Orlando attraction tickets have been providing the UK with cheap Disney tickets for Walt Disney World and the surrounding Orlando attractions. With a low deposit scheme of just £10 per person, you can book your tickets in advance knowing you're in good hands. 
Orlando Attraction Tickets are the only ticket company to allow you to pay your balance off in instalments online and with no credit or debit card fees, free UK sign for delivery and you are fed FastPass Plus enabled tickets now shipping. There is no other choice for your Orlando ticketing needs than Orlando Attraction Tickets. Visit www.orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845-226-8523 That's orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845-226-8523 Gorge howdy, this is your old pal Goofy and no one's here right now to take your call so... <laughs> Call back later or leave a message. Even better. (laughs) We've got time for the interview now. The major interview. It's taken us six years to get to this point. Six years? Has it been that long? Six years. Because it's not often that we manage to find anyone with more talent than me and you, Adam. This is true. We've managed to find someone after six years of searching. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think. We've had Bill Farmer on the show. Uh, Yeah, he's definitely got more talent than us. Uh, We've had the Dream Finder on the show. He's definitely got more talent than us. Yeah, no, that's that's completely wrong. Nearly everyone's got more talent than us. Yes. As you see from the previous shows. (laughs) Anyway, we're joined today by Nick Ranieri. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Hey, I'm fine. Adam, Ellen, thanks for having me on the uh, no show. No any time at all. Oh, in fact, well, and any time, you know, if you want to come on next week again, that'll be fine. Yeah, we'll look after, look after that. In fact, if you want to take over, that's equally fine. <laughs> yeah. Overstate my welcome. <laughs> no, no. Looking at the list of, of, of things that you've done, uh, there's no way in a million years you can outstay your welcome with all of the... <laughs> Just amazing characters. So, um, for, for the listeners of the of the podcast, obviously, you want to introduce yourself. So, um, Nick, explain why we've got you on the show. <laughs> um, well, um, Glenn Keane cancelled. So, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no but, um, basically, I've uh, been uh, um, an animator for the last 30 years, and uh, 25 of those were at uh, Walt Disney Feature Animation. That's, you know, sort of been, that's my history in a nutshell. Yep. I worked on films from Roger Rabbit all the way up uh, to, um, I guess, uh, Record Ralph was the last thing I had anything to do with. So it, I, I think we need to kind of expand a little bit on Nick's very humble um, kind of introduction of himself. <laughs> I've been an animator with Disney for 30 years. Just to give you some idea of the sort of things that he animated, um, Winnie the Pooh, Mother Gothel from Tangled, Bolt who is, uh, my dog is now named after. Uh, I have to thank you for that. Um, he was also supervising animated for people like Lewis uh, on uh, Meet the Robinsons, uh, also Lumiere in Mickey's Phil and Magic, I believe you were part of. And oh, there's some great ones in here that people won't even remember. Um, <coughs> Cranium Command. It was an animator on Cranium Command and one of my all-time favourite programmes as a child. I know it's not Disney, but The Raccoons. I loved the raccoons as a kid. Um, Wow. I didn't even think they got it over there. Yes, we had Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings, (laughs) 10 o'clock, used to sit down, the raccoons were on. It was great. Yeah, Cyril Sneer. To to be fair, well, you've been a part of most of the the big hits for Disney, basically, haven't you? 
I, I mean, there's only like a, a hand, uh, like a couple of films that I didn't have anything to do with, uh, Hunchback and uh-huh. um, you know Mulan and Tarzan. Yeah, everything else I've either started on or and didn't finish or or um, or did a small part in or uh, did a major part in. But uh, the ones I just mentioned, those are the ones that uh, I mean during a, a certain point right after Aladdin. Uh, this the company decided to do this a B system where they wanted to give more time to the animation process so mm-hmm. they they split the uh, the the crew up into uh, two separate divisions sort of right. so to speak and uh, someone on the Lion King someone on to Pocahontas and they just kept overlapping one of the things I'm really interested in is is the Disney decade and we that with that kind of title we gave those 10 years when we had things like the little mermaid Beauty and the beast Aladdin Pocahontas etc and you were around during that time you were involved in those movies and what I'd be really interested to hear is you know that, that there was that point where everything that Disney animated turned to to gold basically at what point in the process of each movie do you as animators do you as a team suddenly think do you know what this is a winner you know, do you ever have that, or is it not until the film's finished? Um, I, it, not even then. <laughs> you okay. really don't know. It has a lot to do with timing, with publicity, with uh, just um, just what's out uh, opposite it. Uh, you know, it's a, co- a competition, um, things like that. I mean, I came in halfway through on Mermaid. Mm-hmm. We just finished Roger Rabbit. That was the only one where I realized, but we all sort of realized, wow, this is something incredible. I yeah. remember when we saw the dailies for Roger. Um, I mean, I worked in London on that. We we, we had a studio in in in, uh, in the in north of London, and mm-hmm. uh, we uh, we every time we saw dailies come through, we would see the the comp and all that. We go, wow. That, this is going to be huge. This is going to be huge. This looks like nothing we've ever seen before. And that was the only indication uh, at that point. And, and all the other studios who were working on that, yeah. uh, who were contributing to it, like Warner Brothers, initially uh, Warner Brothers said, uh, uh, you can have um, uh, six of our characters mm-hmm. to you know, put on in put in Roger Rabbit, and, um, and but we won't give you Bugs Bunny unless um, you guarantee us that he has the exact the amount of screen time as Mickey Mouse, and uh, <laughs> so. Anyways, that went through. But when Warner saw it, even they saw it, started to see the dailies. Yeah. They came, called back and said, "You can have any character you want." Take <laughs> Basically, Brilliant. but other than that, as far as the other ones go, each film. Little Mermaid. I mean, it wasn't like that. We 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 liked the songs. We thought they were really good, and when the movie was really good, yeah. and uh, we just thought this this is this is what we were trying to do. Is I think at the time was we were trying to match the quality of the old films yeah. because at a certain point you you get into the seventies and stuff, and you get things like Rescuers and uh, and Fox and the Hound, mm. and you listen to the quality of music, and they're kind of like, yeah, they, they they don't have the songs of mm. Jungle Book and things like that, you know, those type of songs, uh, mm. uh, Pinocchio and Peter Pan, all that stuff. When we first heard the the Mermaid stuff, I thought this is this is great, this this should do pretty good. And at the time, the uh, the big uh, the big winner, so to speak, the one that made the most money. Uh, was American Tale, yeah, and 
by the time we had finished Mermaid, <laughs> Oliver and Company had been released, mm. and that was the big thing that beat American Tale by about five million. You know, it was up to fifty million um, uh, international or local, uh, domestic or something like that, but. American Tail was about 45. So at that time, 50 million, we were like, wow, an animated film making that much money. That's it. We can't go any higher than this. So, of course, when Mermaid came out, we thought, well, it'll be, you know, maybe it'll do as well. It's a, you know, well, it's a, it's a princess film, so maybe it won't do as well as Oliver and Company. So we were floored when it came out and, you know, made north of uh, 80 million. Mm. That, and then we thought, well, you can't beat that. That's it, right? And then, of course, when Rescuers came out, Rescuers Down Under, uh, that didn't do so well. So we thought, well, I guess this is it. You know? <laughs> then we did, we got on to Beauty and the Beast, and we thought, well, it's it's good. It's going to be an exciting film and all that. But yeah. uh, you know, 80, 87 million is going to be hard to beat. And then, boom, went over 100 million, made 150. We thought, okay, well, you can't do any better. Then they got the Oscar nod, and all that stuff happened, and we thought we couldn't do any better. Then Aladdin come out comes out. It does 200. And we thought, oh, wow, this is amazing. We, we can't do any better than that. And then Lion King comes out and does 300. <laughs> so every time we just, we were constantly surprised that, yeah. you know, because let's face it, there's a lot of good films that come out in, uh, in, in the history of, you know, cinema that don't make a lot of money, that, that, that find their audience years later. And, you know, Disney is a good example of that. A lot of those films uh, from the, the, the Silver Age or mm. Golden Age of animation, uh, they weren't big hits when they came out. They, it took a while to, you know, make that money back or, or recoup the investment or whatever you want to call it. So that's what we were expecting. We were not expecting this type of uh, success. Do you think that was maybe because of the... Or was that comparing it to what's happening now? Because obviously... Now you've got more ways of experiencing media. Um, for example, sort of when Little Mermaid was out, you could see it in the cinema, and then you'd have to wait nearly two years before it would be on video. Whereas <laughs> now wow, you've got yeah. the release in the cinema, then you've got the DVD and the Blu-ray, and then you've got all sorts of online aspects to it. Well, um, I, I think... Uh... You know, when they started doing all that uh, video release and all that, uh, we were a little concerned that uh, they're they're stepping on the box office a little and all that. But um, and then you know they started doing the practice of of uh, uh, making those uh, sequels, direct to video sequels, yeah. and things like that. And you know they they saw a cash cow and they decided to exploit it. Uh, for all it's worth, and that's not surprising. You know, the Disney company, as we saw, even in, in all aspects, if they see something, they you know push it and push it until it dies. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's the way Frozen's going at the moment. That it's it's yeah, such, well, so popular that it's going to keep I, going I, and going I and going. I mean, until... it's it's true. It's it's uh, it's like they 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 capitalize on one specific thing, yeah. that song. You know. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of interested in. In the flip side of the question I asked you a little while ago, so you were saying, you know, Roger Rabbit, you knew it was going to be a hit. You saw a Little Mermaid, you thought it'd do well. There were other movies that Disney created which have disappeared into the ether, so to speak, are the ones that we don't really talk about because they were never classics. As you were producing some of the later films that came in, and I, I, I look at examples, things like Treasure Planet, which commercially didn't really make it anywhere near as successfully as most of the others. Were there any films... That, 
you know, you were making you going, I'm, I don't know whether this is right, I don't know whether this is going to work. And, and what was that feeling among the animators and, and the whole production crew about how that was going to be turned around? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I would think certain pictures like, you know, Home on the Range and things like that, uh, even Treasure Planet. Mm. The, the problem with Treasure Planet was the studio had no faith in it. Yeah. It, it had a lot of good... You know, it's it's a good movie. I, I watched that film and I go, this this is a, this is a good film. Yeah. I think there's a, so a heart in it. it. There's a lot of you know quality in it. There's, mm. but but again, it's it's uh, it's a time that it came out. You yeah. know, everybody was in love with 3D. Uh, CGI was king. You yeah. know, and somebody coming out with a 2D film, you know, it was like. Um, Atlantis, the same type of thing. Only I think um, uh, Treasure Planet's a better film. You know, still there's that um, that question of competition. Mm. It, it sort of it kind of reminded me of like back in the late teens, early twenties of of twentieth uh, century, where you know films were going going to sound right. Yeah. Um, and um, there's this. You know, everybody's like, oh, we wanted to see sound pictures. We don't want to see silent movies anymore, you know, that type of thing. Uh, my feeling has always been that uh, hand-drawn animation is still an art form. Mm. And it, it's probably more representational of, of, of black and white to color than it is silent to sound. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, because you can see there are black and white films made and they're made for a specific reason, for yeah. a mood, for uh, a certain look, uh, you know, maybe a noir feeling. Um, and from... But but you don't see very few, very many uh, um, sound or silent pictures, maybe the artist. But that's like an anomaly. That Mel Brooks silent movie. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah that's true. Those are like thirty years. Yeah. That's thirty years after. So you don't see a lot of silent movies being made. And even then, the artist wasn't completely silent anyway. But uh, the, the the idea is that um, um, people are at that time when Treasure Plan, all that stuff started to come out. Um, people were of the mind that uh, that uh, this is the evolution of animation, and that two D is 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 gone, is dead, and it yep. continues to, you know, waver throughout in the last ten fifteen years. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's it's sort of been two uh, D animation has sort of been fighting to to survive. It's really interesting you say that as well because you know, Treasure Planet was one of the last Disney kind of hand-drawn animated movies that they created for some time you know you went into things like your bolt you meet the robinsons your chicken little all those sort of stuff and then suddenly there was this resurgence with princess and the frog do you think part of princess's frog's popularity was the fact that they turned around and said this is a hand-drawn disney animated musical once again we've not done it for so long um and that's kind of what appealed to everybody well there's a lot of um you know there was a lot of um, second guessing on that. Um, after that, uh, when when that happened, we were we weren't going to be doing two D films. Yeah. And then Lasseter and everybody and Cat Moldnose people came in and then took over in two thousand six and brought back John and Ron uh, from quote unquote retirement. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, basically said, we want to do, we can do both. We want to do uh, 2D you know, hand-drawn animated features because I think uh, um, John Lasseter's uh, feeling at the time was 
you know, it, it's not successful. These films weren't weren't successful because they were hand drawn. It's mm. because they weren't good movies. Mm. But be that as it may, at the time he he said, yeah, uh, he we got into big discussions about what type of film we wanted to make, and um, we been hearing from fans that that said, oh, we want that uh, classic Disney feel, you know, that's missing. And so we decided, you know, Lasseter said, let's do a classic Disney tale and maybe update it a bit by doing something we haven't done before, which is where the African-American princess uh, aspect came into it. But make it, he he wanted Lady and the Tramp. He wanted to look like Lady and the Tramp Mm. uh, because that was where, it was at the height of that type of cell animation, uh, ink lines, all that stuff. That that's that's where he saw as the pinnacle of of the visual of Disney animation. Uh, so that's what he wanted to emulate. So we did our best, of course. After that, you know, people criticized us for, "Hey, it's nothing new. It's, it just looks the same old, same old." It's like, well, that's what we were trying to do. We we're trying to harken <laughs> back to those days. So you you find out you, you, know, you can't please everybody, right? <laughs> you, our next film after that, uh, which was going to be based on um, with Pritchard books, uh, uh, Mort uh, was. Oh yeah, yeah. Ty Pratchett, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That, and they had gotten all the, the, the they did so much preliminary artwork for that and that was going to be our our second uh, animated uh, 2d animated uh, feature mm-hmm. um, but so many legal problems happened that it fell through mm-hmm. uh, there's some guy who owned the rights to it and it was you know he wanted carte blanche he wanted to come in and be one of the producers he wanted all this control and they said no forget it and mm. and finally they said you know if you don't take this deal we think it's a decent deal if you don't take this deal in two weeks we we walk and he said no and they walked and that was the end of we didn't know it at the time but it was the end of hand-drawn animation at disney um and uh you know which is kind of sad because that idiot who didn't give the rights he, uh, he, he's not doing anything with it. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sat on it. The, yeah, yeah. So uh, he could have taken the money and walked, and you know. But now it's there's nothing, you know. So like, was, wasn't there a rumor that uh, Frozen was going to be hand drawn? Um, that thing when Frozen is basically Snow Queen that went from, you know, traditional Snow Queen story to the it's that thing has been um, in. Uh, pre-production or in development for like at least ten years. At right. one point, the Britsies uh, were going to design, are going to direct it, and you know there's all these other, you know, different uh, treatments on it, uh, things like that, and it kept getting shelved, and and finally, you know, once um, Rapunzel came out, and you know they change it to tangled and all that stuff they figured out oh we can do this to this one and so that's what they decided to do it was interesting because they had this whole different story um uh for frozen and um they had a screening early on for lassiter and this was after months and months and months of work um and apparently he came out of the screening and said okay um this all ha- this is all um has to be scrapped um the whole thing and they looked at him and he said um oh, but the, the the idea of the two sisters that's good so you do do something with that yeah and that was it so they had to start from scratch with that note 
and that was it. And then, so that's, you know, that's the process uh, of uh, a lot of the times, you know, uh, I've, I've been through that process many times on these films, you know, lots and lots of redos and that, and that story. And that's what I said at the beginning, they tend to eat up a whole lot of production time based on story. They're trying to get it right. Was, was there a, a major difference in animation style from sort of doing the traditional 2D to when you got involved with Tangled? Oh, Tangled. Um, well, it, it, was, it was, let's put it this way, the last uh, 15 years, the last 10 years at Disney, um, it was, it was uh, really difficult. You know, you get to a certain point in your career where you're... Um, you know, you feel comfortable in your skin. Basically, you you yeah. you you know your craft, and you you know you're always trying to improve. But you uh, there's a lot that you know, and a lot that you can apply to it. And um, it's just sort of polishing every film, every scene you do. You try to make it just a little bit better, a little bit better. But for the most part, you're confident in what you're doing. In those days, um, I kept, you know, going from 2D to 3D to back to 2D, you know, 3D, all this stuff. It was it was hard to uh, to to uh, get my bearings. I mean, when I first went to uh, 3D, that was hard. I was training. I trained for four months, um, and uh, and then worked on PhilharMagic, uh, doing some Lumiere and all that, and then you know Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons. And I figured, okay, this is it. I'm a 3D animator because everything you know they at that point somewhere around Chicken Little they laid off all the 2D people, yeah. home on the range, and I was a survivor because I made the switch, um, and then after then Laster came back in. Um, and I was on, you know, uh, Meet the Robinsons, and uh, Laster came back in, and then John and Ron started to talk to me. It's like we'd like to get you to come back to hand drawn and do a, a character, do, and they offered me Charlotte, and I was like, this is my chance. I've always wanted to do a female character, a pretty female character. I mean, the only time I I did a couple of aerial scenes, I did a couple of Jessica scenes, uh, things like that, but I never really done anything or supervised anything on the, at this scale before. So I was torn, but I decided, okay, I'm going to take a shot. I really like this, and there's, there's a future. Uh, that's what I saw. I saw Lassiter really, you know, pumped up for hand-drawn and mm. and all that so i thought yeah i'd like to go back and when i got back in it was just like this is great this is hard i forgot how hard it was but i mean it was really rewarding i felt really satisfied after that picture unlike any of the others i done i i'd done in the past uh in 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 uh, cgi um you, it's like your fingerprint you know it's your style and uh um, so it took me like a couple of weeks just to get back into it and, you know, drawing and all that. I'm going, Hey, Oh yeah. Okay. I remember this. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. As opposed to 3d after, um, uh, princess of the frog ended, uh, I thought to myself, well, I could go on Winnie the Pooh or I could go on to, to tangled and get my you know feet wet because mm-hmm. I, I haven't been in CG for a year and a half or something like that. So, or, you know, two years, I guess maybe. So I better, I better do that. Well, I get into tangled and it took me 
a month or two to actually get back into it because everything had changed again. All the stuff I knew, all the buttons were different, all those things, all the applications were different. I had to wrap my head around. I'm not a tech guy, you know. I, I don't think with the right side of my brain all that much. Uh, um, so it was really hard for me to get back into that mindset to, to do Tangled again. And it was a struggle. And Tangled was a nightmare, probably the worst picture I've ever worked on. Uh, production-wise, mm. I love the film. I think it's a beautiful film, and I think it's uh, it's very entertaining. I think it's better than Frozen, actually. Um, but it was hell to work on. That's that's all I'm going to say. It was like the worst experience I ever had at the Disney so, uh, that film, and I wasn't alone. So this is the time where obviously things started to change, and you know, the Tangled CG and the hand-drawn stuff was starting to close down a little bit. And that is the point where kind of Disney then announced these cutbacks. Um, kind of from your point of view, how did that come about? You know, what? when was the first you heard about it? Um, it wasn't a cutbacks. The, these cutbacks were based on um, changing direction. So it wasn't like, oh, we have too many animators. Yeah. They were basically saying, okay, um, how viable is hand-drawn animation? And they looked at it and they said, not very. So why do it? And you can say, you know, as of now, that they were, you know, right. You can't argue with success, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, Frozen's, you know, $1.3 billion. How can you argue with success? And so they're yeah. going, hey, we made the right decision because, you know, uh, we're probably going to win the Oscar or whatever and beat out the other two uh, hand-drawn films or who knows what they're thinking. But the idea is that they thought they made, they think they made the right decision. Um, I think that uh, if you can uh, make a compelling story and you can do it in such a way that in, in hand-drawn that has a different look to it, um, maybe not like uh, Lady and the Tramp or whatever. I mean, even Disney back in those days, they they did different styles. Yeah. Uh, look, two whistle plunk boom. You look at that, and it doesn't animate like uh, Saturday morning cartoons. It animates like Disney animation, only with the style being uh, slightly graphic. Mm -hmm. You know, so there it can be done. And with technology today, you can make it look even uh, more. I mean, just look at uh, Song of the Sea. Mm -hmm. uh, all the textures and things on top of that uh, for, for 2D. And there's 3D elements in there, you can tell. But for the most part, it's, uh, it, it has a different look to it that you, could, that you, you couldn't achieve with cell animation. So um, anyway, they, what was the question? Oh, yeah, the, uh, the, the, when we do. Uh, basically, um, after, like I told you, after the, uh, the demise of Mort, um, they gave uh, Ron and John... Uh, couple of years to develop a, a new uh, hand-drawn vehicle uh -huh. and um, so we were basically on hold for about a year year and a half to two years waiting for this thing to get into production and as the time rolled on we started to get inklings that this wasn't going to happen the way we thought it was going to happen um, and, uh, it, we, but I kept having hope, you know, I kept having hope. And at that time I got a call from, uh, from DreamWorks and they said, Nick, we'd like you uh, to come on to this film called me and my shadows. 
uh, Me and My Shadow, which was directed by Mark Dindle, which I you know love working with. And I worked with him on Chicken Little and Emperor's New Groove and all that. It's great. And he wanted me to come and, uh, you know, uh, supervise animation. And at the time, I was torn. And Disney came to me and said, look, we really don't want you to leave. We want you to stay. We really want you to stay. You know, we can't offer you more money. We can't blah, 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 blah. We want you to stay. And John Musker says, yeah, Nick, you got to stay. And, it's, you know, this type of thing. And so I thought, well, you know, I could go over there, work on the Shadow film. And then after that, they, who knows if they do any more hand-drawn stuff. Um, and uh, and then I'd be into CG again. So this way, at Disney, at least I got a chance to do more hand-drawn stuff. So yes. I thought. So I turned down DreamWorks and, and the lucrative deal that came with it, and I stayed. Um, very ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year and a half after that, I'd be sitting in the exact same office, facing the exact same person, and him looking at me saying, well, thanks a lot. We don't need you anymore. Goodbye. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so uh, it, it's kind of... <laughs> but anyway, um, throughout that year and a half, we do, I worked on little projects and things like that, and that's where that Wreck of Ralph uh, 2D animation test came from, yeah, things yeah. like that. Um, and as we got closer and closer to the end, uh, I still had hope. I still had hope. I've been hearing little rumors from Ron and John saying that Laster kept going in, suggesting, well, why don't you make the water in your new movie CG? Because that would be, that, that we do water really good. And why don't you try this in CG? Why don't you try that in CG? And um, according to Musker and Clemens, they were at one of those dog and pony shows for investors at the, the Disney company world, you know, uh, company-wide things mm-hmm. uh bob Iger was talking and basically somebody asked uh is there any plans for what's the next 2d feature and he said there's nothing on the uh on the docket right now and uh and then john lassiter you know came up and introduced ron and john and said by saying this uh, and they'll be working on their first cg picture and ron and john uh, basically looked at each other and said, I guess we're doing it in CG. Because <laughs> all the time, thinking, and we're going to do this in 2D, you know, it'll be a mixture, you know, hybrid, you know. But, you know, it's all of a sudden, that was it. Boom. So that their, their picture that they're working on now was intended originally to be the next hand-drawn uh, feature. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just didn't work out that way. And then once that announcement was made, a day later, they called us all in and laid us off. So um, that was that was kind of it was a shock. We I saw the writing on the wall, but you know, I kept hoping, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that was it was a sad day because not so much oh I lost my job, but it was more they gave up on an art form. Mm. They gave up on an art form, and I still think it's a viable art form and can be done beautifully and in some ways can look more appealing uh, than CG. Yeah. So I, I it's their short-sightedness, which yeah, like I said, you can't yeah. argue success, so who knows? Uh, what's it's, it's, it's sort of the equivalent of a hand-painted piece of art to hang on your wall versus a, a quick printout. Or, or like a photograph. Yeah. And both are art. You can have yeah. beautifully taken, you know, you know, photographers who are who are artists in their own right. You know, yeah. some people don't know how to take a proper photo. Some people know how to, and it's a, it's a skill. So yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but, but to 
just to cast aside and say, oh, you know, now that we have photography, we don't need, you know, paintings anymore. Yeah. We yeah. don't need any of that stuff. We have photography. We just take a picture. That's what they're basically saying now with, with yeah. CGI. Oh, we don't need hand-drawn animation. We have CGI, mm. and it's better. <laughs> right, there's still um, stop-motion animation um, released now, isn't there? Not yeah. actually from Disney, but companies although, are still doing that. Yeah, uh, although, uh, you know, uh, Disney, I'm, I'm not sure if they have any more of those on their docket. The reason for the, uh, the stop-motion, I think, the reason for the stop-motion resurgence was the fact that everything was going in, you know, 3D. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do 3D in, uh, in hand-drawn, but stop-motion, you can do it, you yeah. know. Uh, so that was the added uh, yeah. benefit for that. And, of course, some uh, of the, the stop-motion stuff that came out had the name Tim Burton attached to it, which equally would have had a big, big impact. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, and I think, you know, I had the discussion, I remember... Um, talking with uh, Ed Capo about hmm. uh, one of our dog and pony shows we had about uh, upcoming events. Uh, this was uh, uh, just a animation uh, wide meeting at future animation. And I kept bringing up the question during those, during that time, you know, what about uh, hand-drawn animation? We're going to do the next one. And John and Ed, they're like, Oh, we need a good story. Just a good story. Oh, that's all we need is a good story. Next question. <laughs> they're trying to avoid it, you know, and I just thought, you know, a good story, really? That's what you need, you know? Yeah. Um, and I said to them, I said, no, you don't need a good story. What you need is a mediocre story that becomes a great story halfway through production yeah. so that you can't stop, you're too far along to stop and make it a CG picture. That's what <laughs> Because if you get a good story and you submit it to them, they'll go, yeah, I can see this. I can see this in um, in CG. Oh, really? I was thinking of a 2D, you know. I, I would talk to one guy who, who pitched an idea to Lasseter and basically said at the end of it, yeah, I see this as a hand-drawn feature. He goes, I don't want to talk medium. I don't want to talk medium. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you get the feeling that, uh, yeah, it's not about uh, um, the director's mm-hmm. choice uh, as to what they're going to do. It's yeah. It's what's going to make the most money and if they see promise in a story you even at that time you better believe it was slated under the cg mm. heading uh, so uh, that's yeah that's and it's understandable i mean animation's a business it's an art and it's a business and those heads you know art and business has always been a budding heads yeah you know ever since this industry began uh disney you know if he didn't have roy uh, he would have been up the creek. You know, <laughs> you yeah. know that's, that studio would have uh, folded long ago. But again, you need that balance. Mm. And if it's mostly business and all business, you get, you know, you get visual garbage. If it's too much art, then you get maybe one or two films and then, you know, the studio folds. So I understand that. And I, you know, I, I, I'm just sad that they weren't willing to, to, you know, give it at least one more try. Uh, Princess and the Frog did not lose money. It mm. was not a failure. It just didn't go as far as we could have or we should have yeah. uh, in that medium. That, 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 in my personal opinion, it was a fantastic success and it was, it was one of the few DVDs that I was desperate to go out and buy. 
after watching it in the cinema twice oh. um, with me kids. So, God like, like my, my, my daughter, well, my youngest one's um, about three years old. I've just got to try and remember that one. Um, she's been brought up with Jake and the Neverland Pirates and um, Princess Sophia, computer animation. Mm-hmm. But she, her favourite film is Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, well, back to the traditional stuff. Yeah, uh, those films—they're—they're they're great. I mean, they have a look about them. They have a, a beauty about them. It's kind of funny, you know. Uh, Disney now is, is uh, like trying to do you know live-action versions of all of these mm. things. <laughs> if I didn't know any better, I would—I would swear that they are trying to uh, replace them. <laughs> <laughs> so you left Disney. Uh, what was next for you after that? Oh, what was next? Well, um, I, you know, that was a, that was a time where I just didn't know what I was going to do. A lot of us were in the same boat, myself, Brian Ferguson, a lot of people uh, that, uh, got let go. Um, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. It was, I, I just thought, well, you know, freelance or whatever, but, uh, I wasn't set up for freelance. I had a lot of uh, things I had to struggling with, uh, you know, finances and things like that. Uh, um, it was really, it really was um, kind of like uh, you just, uh, you know, you, you just you've been married for twenty five years and then your spouse dies and all of yeah. a sudden you're back in the dating world. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. like, oh, what do I do? Uh, what do I talk about? I called DreamWorks. They didn't call me back. Was it something I said? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it wasn't. A, so I started to do the, the look at the freelance uh, thing and, and all that. And um, and then I got a call or a call from a, a, a friend, uh, Roger Allers, who um, I worked with briefly on Lion King. Mm-hmm. I worked with briefly on. Uh, on um, Kingdom of the Sun, you know, uh, in Lion King's case, I left four months into it and went to Pocahontas, and yeah, then yeah. King of the, Kingdom of the Sun, he left. <laughs> the whole thing collapsed. Um, and I always wanted to work with Roger, and so he called me up and said, hey, you want to animate? And I said, uh, sure. So I went down and met him, and they were working on this thing called Kel Gibran's The Prophet. And, um, you know, I thought, well, I can do freelance on it. And, and um, so he, we talked about it. And uh, then I didn't hear from him for a month. And uh, then I thought, you know, I should give him a call back and, and just see, you know, where that this picture is and if I'm if I can pick up some work or whatever. Yeah. Called him up and they said, hey, we have a different idea for you in mind. And so I came down and they said, we want you to... Um, be Roger's eyes and ears in uh, Canada because we're shipping this to Canada to be done this feature because uh, it's not uh, going well. Uh, we're not making our numbers, so we have to do something desperate. And and if uh, we're going to either do it in two D or in three D, and if it does, if it goes to uh, CG, then um, we'll go to Canada, and if it goes to hand drawn, it'll go to Korea. So. As much as I love hand drawn, I was hoping it went to CG because I didn't want to go to Korea. <laughs> <laughs> so it went CG, um, but it, with a tune shade application to it, so it made it look like two D, but it was in CG, and and it was fine. And they said, okay, uh, you know, we want to send you up there, 
uh, to be Roger's eyes and ears. And I thought, okay, great, this is good. Um, so I went up there, and I really didn't expect. You know, I thought I was going to be, you know, overseeing animation and all that. Well, I found that I had an animation director. They had all these different people in place, and the whole thing was uh, smooth sailing. And and so I was sitting there for like two weeks, not knowing what to do. I didn't know what to do. And finally, I found my niche. And basically, what I ended up doing on that picture was adjusting the visuals. Toon Shade makes a very lousy artist. <laughs> and basically, what it does is you run the CG through a computer and it you know outlines everything and, and gives lines of things but of course all the lines don't come in that you want to come in and some lines that come in you don't want to come in so what we had to do is we had to send it through into a program and then we had to clean it all up and uh, add lines add wrinkles add you know eyelids add all this stuff to this this stuff and that was my department that's what eventually became my job i was head of 2d touch-up uh, we had a crew, and I would basically be um, uh, going in and drawing over top of this stuff to make it look presentable. Because before that, they all looked like zombies. They had no eyelids. They had no lips. They had no nose. I mean, we had to come up with all these different concepts. When I say we, it was myself, uh, you know, uh, head of uh, CG, uh, um, head of animation, all these, we all got into meetings, how are we going to figure out all this and get all this stuff done and, and get it all worked out, um, coming up with different techniques that hadn't been tried yet, uh, and uh, they were a great team up in Bardell, I just, they were terrific to work with, uh, the, the people were great, the, the project Sadly, wasn't as um, didn't have as the budget that a major Disney feature had, so there was a lot of compromises, and uh, it it wasn't as visually impressive as it could have been, given that the budget was low. You know, so that's that's the way it work. I usually we at Disney, you know, there's a problem, you call somebody, two seconds, there's someone there to fix it. Here, it's like guerrilla filmmaking. It was really hard to. Uh, to wrap my head around that, no, we had to come up with ideas ourselves and we had to solve these things uh, with very little money. Basically, based on that, it turned out, you know, fairly decent. And it looks like it's going to get a distributor and it's going to come out sometime in the spring, at least in the States. I'm not sure about uh, Europe or a, I think they already have a distributor in Europe, but again, I'm not sure about release dates or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I came back, and again, I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? i got to do something. Uh, I had a short stint at Paramount Animation on a picture that hadn't even been greenlit. And then after that, uh, again, I was I didn't know what to do. Uh, a couple of months later, um, a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, I'm working on this game, uh, this video game, and we'd like you to come and be animation director on it and up the animation a little. And I thought, I don't know anything about video games. I, I'm not a gamer. I don't really play. My son does, but I, I've i never, you know, gone that route before. So I didn't know anything about it. So I went down, took a look at it. Uh, he said, uh, we really want it to be sort of cartoony and uh, uh, we'd like your sensibilities on it. And so I said, okay, well, I'm not sure what I'm exactly going to be doing. He says, Nick, don't worry about it. You know, it's 
you'll you'll be here. You'll get to play video games all day. It's a dream job. <laughs> or, uh, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll believe that when I see it. You know, I can't. I first of all, the idea of playing video games all day and getting paid for it, I. I, I, I I don't know. But anyways, uh, so I got the job at a place called Reload Studios, and we're now working on this video game that's supposed to be re- you know launched this year. I basically, my first day on the job, uh, I sort of sat there like, okay, now what do I do? And he said to me, oh, do some drawings. Do some drawings of characters running. Well, I'm thinking, well, drawings of people running? That's not going to be useful. That's going to be helpful. Well, when I was at Bardell, I worked on a program called TV Paint, and it's basically a hand-drawn, you know, uh, software. Mm-hmm. And uh, was able to to get a copy of it, and I thought I should just bring that in. Okay, so I brought in my copy of TV Paint, yeah. and I started doing animations for uh, this video game mm-hmm. um, in 2D and hand-drawn. And there was another animator there who took those ideas and transferred them to 3D. And so that's basically for the last you know several months now since since August. That's all. That's what I've been doing. I've been doing 2D animation that's being translated into CGI and used in the game. And uh, and we're going to keep doing that until until we launch in in the fall. I can't tell you anymore because. Uh, the owner would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's great. Uh, obviously, you're now. But, you well, I can't tell you one thing though. It is for it's a the, one of the things that made me join. It was because it was for the Oculus Rift, which is a um, a uh, virtual reality uh, system, yes. okay. and it's the first. Uh, it's a first-person shooter for Oculus Rift. So, um, where other companies are creating experiences. We're actually doing a game for it. So that's where I thought this could be something groundbreaking. This could be something exciting and uh, successful. So that's why I I thought this would be an interesting departure from what I'm Mm. used to. Mm. But would I like to go back to feature animation? Yeah, that's my first love. I would love to do more hand-drawn animation. And it's very frustrating to me Mm. because I'm at a place where I'm at an age. And I think about... The nine old men. What yeah. were they doing when they were my age? Yeah. And they were working on things like Dalmatians and Jungle Book. And I'm not. <laughs> and so it's kind of frustrating because by the time they get into the 70s and 80s, they're too old and they just, they, they're tired. They can't do it anymore. And I, I'm just afraid that 2D will make a resurgence by the time, you know, by that time, I'll, I won't be able to hold a pencil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of frustrating. Well, it's but, it's fascinating to hear, obviously, that you know the, the career that you've had and the, and the films that you've done, and obviously going through with all of those experiences you had with Disney, you know, over so many years. It's it's great to have somebody on who's lived through that, who's been able to talk about that and experience that. So we we can't thank you enough for coming onto the show and talking about all of those things that you've experienced and done with Disney. Well, you're welcome. And you know what? I I feel the same way, which is why I'm, you know, on my Facebook page. I'm, yeah. I'm going through my career, basically, and, and talking about certain things and showing different things on, you know, uh, my Facebook page, Nick Ranieri Animator. Yes. And so if anybody's interested in seeing pencil tests and stuff like that, you know, like like that, like the page, and uh, you can yeah, we'll, see we'll share it on our yeah, we will. Facebook page so that everyone knows where to find it. You've been doing some Pocahontas and Miko stuff recently, haven't you? 
Yes, I'm going through. I chronologically, people keep saying, "When's the Haiti stuff going? When's the Haiti stuff going?" It's like, "I'm coming, I'm coming. Give me a chance. I got to work through that stuff." You know, don't worry, it's coming, it's coming. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It really is a, a great pleasure. Do go over and, and see Nick's stuff. And now, it just makes me want to go back and watch all the old classic films. So, <laughs> I might just have to do that over the next week. But thank you, Nick. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Alan. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Woohoo! Big summer blowout! There we go. That was Nick Ranieri. Some really interesting stuff. Some great, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear things like the when he talks about Mort uh, and what happened with regards to that and the progression of that and, and those sort of things. And it's interesting to hear about those projects that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, as, as an interview, I would love to get hold of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Because he wrote a, a score for uh, the water pageant. Yes. Or it was a horse show. I can't remember. But um, basically, he, he spent the time and put a whole score together. Yeah. And um, Mike Lyerson decided not to continue with it. That's because Andrew Lloyd Webber is actually rubbish. No, oh, you can't say that. It's true. Anyway. Um, I'm not talking to you anymore. Talk. <laughs> oh, come on. We know it. How many musicals has he released in recent years where they've um, failed miserably? Well, <clears throat> well there, there is that. But how many classics has he had that's gone on for years? Yeah, because nobody wrote anything better for years. Anyway, don't get me started on Andrew Lloyd Webber. Let's talk about uh, the uh, Disney's ultimate attraction. We put up four different uh, attractions, and uh, you were voting on them to decide which of those four you thought were the best attractions. We're now on round two, so we are revisiting those attractions that we've been to before, and we're pitting them up against each other, and we've got some really interesting combinations. When, when you say round two, do you mean like the quarterfinals, or the... Uh, I don't think we're quite a quarterfinal stage yet. Alright, okay. I think I'm just going to try and prepare quite. the listeners for um, another billion... No, no, we haven't got as many this time. We, we yeah, put it okay. right down. If you want to know what the pairings are in advance, you can go to our Facebook page. And I actually posted up what all the pairings were. Uh, you need to just nip back through and have a look at what we've got going on there. So here are our pairings. It's uh, Celebrate the Magic versus uh, Expedition Everest. Journey into Imagination with Figment versus The Haunted Mansion. It's a Small World versus Maelstrom. And Pirates of the Caribbean versus The Main Street Vehicle. So let's start off with our first one then. It's Celebrate the Magic versus Expedition Everest. So, Alan, bearing in mind we've got these two things here, which one are you going for? And just to remind you what they are, Celebrate the Magic is the nighttime show that comes before the fireworks, uh, and they use the castle to project all sorts of 3D sort of art on it. Ah. Pieces. So that's Celebrate the Magic, and that's come up against Expedition Everest, Legend of the Forbidden Mountain. So out of those two, which one are you most likely to vote for? Was um, is Celebrate the Magic different to Magic the Memories New? Yeah, it was kind of the updated version of. Right, okay. Um, oh, d- now, I-, I wasn't thinking it was going to be a hard choice here because I was going, ah, I don't know what that one is. Expedition Everest all the way. But then I love this cash- castle projection stuff that goes mm. on. And I'm 
hoping that it gets expanded on with all this building work that's going on at the moment. Yeah. Hmm. Right, okay, I'm going to go with... Um, <clears throat> go with my heart, which is Animal Kingdom all the way. So Expedition Everest is my winner. Yeah, it's a tricky one, this one, because they're both completely different types of attractions, but equally, although they're different types of attractions, they both offer, you know, very equally good experiences. But for me, you can't knock... Expedition Everest. It was such a unique, different attraction. And I know we we still talk about Disco Yeti, but for me, it well outweighs Celebrate the Magic. And believe it or not, you guys um, agree with us as well. Uh, Expedition yeah. Everest well and truly wiped the floor with. Uh, Imogen's quite excited about going on Expedition Everest. Is she? You know the one with the train where the like the the rails split and it stops and you go backwards. Okay. And there's a gorilla at the end. Okay. Good luck with that. Harry saw it and went. There's no in a million years I'm touching that. And didn't. Sat in at large donuts with my dad instead. Okay, Sounds so uh, Expedition Everest goes through. We leave Celebrate the Magic behind. Takes us to our next pairing, which is Journey into Imagination with Figment versus The Haunted Mansion. Now, surely this is a no-brainer. For me, it's a no-brainer. Haunted Mansion, my favourite attraction in Walt Disney World, up against Journey to Imagination, which is the poor reincarnation of what originally was actually a classic attraction. Uh, you can't knock Haunted Mansion. It's great. I love it. So Haunted Mansion for me goes through. What about you? Um, just to emphasise this, yeah, this is just the ride. It's not the after show, is it? No, it's just the ride. It's not the... Image works. Of... Image works has already left the building. Okay. Um, I actually like Journey to the Imagination. I think it's quite a, a nice attraction that doesn't have much of a queue. <laughs> um, and obviously there is a reason for that um, but I think there's some good features in that particularly when you get to the end scene and all of a sudden you get a blast of air in your face you have a heart attack and everything's changed in front of you that is true, that is quite it's, clever it's quite cool um, but then Haunted Mansion has been so, so what's the word upgraded over the years Yeah. new queues, new interior scenes the technology in there is improved. Um, I've got to go Haunted Mansion, unfortunately. You've got to. Of course you have. Interestingly, we've pitted the two Disney attractions against each other that both had comic book series created about them. Ah. There you go. That's a piece of uh, information you didn't know. So, you're going for Haunted Mansion as well. Well, yeah, it seems that everybody else felt exactly the same. The Haunted Mansion, again, wiped the floor with Figment. Uh, Journey to Imagination with Figment got four votes. I want to know who the four people are who thought it was better than Haunted Mansion. I will find. I will take them outside later and beat them. It is fine. Okay. But Haunted Mansion well and truly goes through. So, that knocks Journey into Imagination out of Disney's Ultimate Attraction. Okay, pairing number three. It's a small world versus Maelstrom. Of course, Maelstrom was open at the time. So, Alan, what are you going for? Um, so I've got Arendelle or... Uh... No, no, no. no. This is pre-Arendelle. So we're talking about a, a log flume-style ride yeah. that possibly has half the track missing anyway. Yeah. Um, but versus a, a log flume-style ride with no drop. Yeah. With a really irritating... Soundtrack that just goes yeah. on and on and on. I had actually did an analysis of Maelstrom a while ago. Yes. And there's hardly any ride there. No, there's not but a lot. When you actually look at it, there's hardly any ride there. Um, but It's the Small World seems to go on forever. Yeah. 
it seems almost as though they extend it every year I go yeah. on it. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to say I would like to keep Maelstrom. Okay. So you're going for Maelstrom. Yes. I can't stand It's a Small World. I know it's an attraction the world doesn't even involved. I know, but it just irritates the life out of me. Honestly, I, I, could, I would quite happily never go on It's a Small World again and not be upset. And I think I say this every time. You know, I go on it because everybody else likes going on it, but I'm not a fan. Honestly, I could quite happily just... You know when you say you go on it because everyone else likes it? Yeah. You think everybody else is going on it because they think that <laughs> yeah. everyone else likes this it. This could be a possible that everybody else is doing it for everybody else's sake and the truth is nobody really wants to go on it. No, they do like it. My dad loves it. He'll go on it again and again. Bless <laughs> oh, him. dear. He's a simple fella. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go Maelstrom just because I'd quite happily see It's a Small World disappear. But it doesn't make any difference because most of you seem to like It's a Small World. Never. Um, yeah, It's a Small World wipes Maelstrom out. So Maelstrom Did your dad vote? He was, what, yeah, all those times. Um, so It's a Small World takes out Maelstrom and we say goodbye to Maelstrom, which is we say goodbye figuratively and literally. So uh, goodbye Maelstrom, three goats, It's a Small World. And our last pairing for today is Pirates of the Caribbean versus the Main Street Vehicles. Okay, so Main Street vehicles are the types of cars, vehicles you can get in to go down Main Street. You've got things like fire engines, uh, etc., that you can jump on during the day and go on a one-way journey from one end of Main Street to the other. That comes up against Pirates of the Caribbean, which is, of course, the water ride that takes you through um, Tortuga and into the open seas to the Black Pearl and all those sort of bits and pieces, or what we're kind of the original inspiration for the Black Pearl. Um, it's uh, quite an old-fashioned attraction. In fact, it's a kind of a water dart ride. Again, it has drops. It, uh, it was inspired by Walt Disney himself, again, although this particular reincarnation wasn't, due to the fact that it wasn't originally built in Walt Disney World. Um, and in fact, nearly didn't exist in Walt Disney World at all. Um, so... Pirates of the Caribbean, for me, completely outweighs the Main Street vehicles. You can't uh, really go against such a classic attraction as Pirates of the Caribbean. I suppose I say that. I've just done that against this small world, but there you go. <laughs> so, for me, Pirates of the Caribbean goes through. Alan? Right, well, the Main Street vehicles, to me, you know, if if they weren't there, yeah, I think you would miss them. Okay. Wouldn't you? you, you yeah, but, you would. It, it does add to a lot of the atmosphere of Main Street. There, there isn't a lot of what we'll call attractions, a lot of shops in Main Street, but I think if the cars weren't there, you, you, I think you'd be missing something. I think you, it adds adds motion to the the area. It adds a bit more dynamicness. Dynamicness um, is that the official? That's the official term. Oh, okay. Now, um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Although it's. It's a great ride. It's very dark. And what True. I mean by that is it's literally no lights on. It's dark. It's black. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Um, when I've been on Pirates of the Caribbean, you go in the boat, and then I think there's some crates that are floating. There's a cat in a crate or something like that. Yes, And you can barely are. see barely them seen, things. Yeah. It's. Um, I'd like to go on it when they've just put new bulbs in. That would... Um, <laughs> Certainly improve it. So for you, it's a lighting issue. Is that what we're going for here? Yeah, right. mainly a lighting issue. Okay. But then again, you've got some sort of cool little tweaks. I think, is there a conveyor belt when you get off and it's got a got feet painted on the conveyor belt? Uh, yeah. To get out of the ride. And what they've got is they've got one foot and they've got a peg leg mark. Yes, that's right. So um, that's quite cool. Um, 
Whoa. I've never been on one of the rides. I mean, one of the um, Main Street vehicles, I'll be honest. I've, I've seen them, but I have never been on one. Okay. However, I'm always riding Paris the Caribbean whenever I go to Disney World, so... I, I have to go Paris the Caribbean. So you're going Paris the Caribbean? Yeah. Okay, Paris the Caribbean for you. It's Paris the Caribbean for me. And for you lot, it was Paris the Caribbean. So we say goodbye to the main street vehicles. Paris the Caribbean goes through, which means this week, Expedition Everest, Haunted Mansion... It's a small world, and parts of the Caribbean all go through to the next round, which we're not really surprised at, are we? It's fairly, fairly kind of uh, obvious choices that have made it through to the next round. It's going to get tougher. It is going to get tougher when they start to meet each other. Certainly, sort of uh, from the next round onwards, anything can happen. It means that we've got four more for the next episode, which uh, you guys have already been voting for over on our Facebook page. You can go over there now. Go over to. Uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit podcast you will find the next four they are the Jedi Training Academy versus Wilderness Explorers Dinosaur versus the Main Street Electrical Parade The Seas with Nemo and Friends versus Muppet Vision 3D and Kilimanjaro Safaris versus Mission Space so there are next four. Just go through those again. Mm. Jedi Training Academy versus Wilderness Explorers. Dinosaur versus Main Street Electrical Parade. The Seas with Nemo and Friends versus Muppet Vision 3D. And Kilimanjaro Safaris versus Mission Space. Okay. So there, your four different attractions. A couple of tough ones there. Oh, a couple of tough ones. So do go and check those out. Go and vote for those. And uh, on the next episode, we will tell you uh, which ones go through and which ones go out according to what you tell us. Sounds good. Definitely. That means we're at the end of the show. Yes. At the end of the show already. What do you mean yes? At last. You just said yes like um, like you're really pleased by that. Which means it's time for this. Okay, so thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you, Alan, once again for joining me. It's nice to have you on the show once again. No problem. I'm glad that my internet connection has stayed up. Yeah, you've done well. Thank you to our sponsors, um, or Orlando uh, Attraction Tickets. Uh, tickets to... Man, honestly, start again. So we start again. Oh, now my computer's frozen and it's not very happy. Your computer, your teeth have fallen out. Teeth, everything. Anyway, scootorlando.com. Oh, now it's all completely gone horribly wrong. You can, of course, uh, I want to thank Nick Ranieri for joining us and for talking to us about um, all of the wonderful things he's done with Disney Animation. Don't forget, as I've already said, you can go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit Podcast. You can like and uh, add comments and all those sort of stuff. Twitter at Disney Brit. And, of course, email us any comments, questions, suggestions, your entries for um, for the next uh, Disney's great, great DB cook-off. got to get this the right way around now, haven't I? Great yeah, you'll we'll get there eventually. That, that's the one, isn't it? The great DB cook-off. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, send us in your photos of your uh, your versions of the banana bread pudding, so please do do that as well. Uh, you can, of course, send us um, any comments, suggestions, questions, anything like that about stuff that you want us to do as well. So uh, I want to say a big thank you to Alex Duncan as well for helping us uh, with the last... Uh, the last uh, sketch that we had in the show with the Sorcerer's Hat too. Yes. Of course, you can go over to iTunes, review our show on iTunes, and uh, you can also ring us if you want to, 0121 288 2748. And uh, that's it. We will see you in two weeks' time for the next edition of the show. So until then, we'll see you.
everybody. <laughs> that was swell. 